the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, from America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Thanks for joining us for this edition of The Bible Live, talking about Josiah, one of my favorite characters from the Old Testament Scriptures. Way back when we were first casting this vision and the idea of The Bible Live, part of what inspired the program was the experience of this king who at the age of 26 had in his heart to return to serve the true and living God. His father and grandfather, terribly wicked kings, had both been assassinated. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah. Young Josiah put on the throne at age 8, but at age 26 he heard the Bible read. It touched his heart and transformed his reign. He then had the Bible read publicly to the people, and it transformed the people, and it led to one of the great revivals of biblical times. This program was originally called the Josiah Project. We are right in the middle of reading about young Josiah ruling in Judah, the southern kingdom. Israel is now no more taken into exile by Assyria in the north, never again to be reconstituted. Josiah was a figure of prophecy. 325 years before he was born, his life and his deeds were predicted. We'll see all that tonight. Right now, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. From Psalm 76 tonight on the Bible Life. Psalm 77. I cry out to God without holding back. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I pray, with hands lifted toward heaven, pleading. 
There can be no joy for me until he acts. I think of God, and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and think about the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again show me favor? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be kind? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate, that the blessings of the Most High have changed to hatred. I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about them. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of miracles and wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. You have redeemed your people by your strength, the descendants of Jacob and of Joseph by your might. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down their rain. The thunder rolled and crackled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. End of reading, Psalm 77. We come on I know, I said Psalm 76, I meant Psalm 77, I really did. We're comforted through the hard times by remembering God's help, His faithfulness to us in the past. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Yes, indeed. What a great version of the Lord's Prayer. As we recall the special time that we're in, the National Day of Prayer, the first Thursday of every May. It's not too late at all to get involved in the prayer. You know, it's not limited even to that one day. We can always pray. God is eagerly listening for the prayers of his people. Will there be enough to meet that critical mass to move the hand of God mercifully and graciously across our nation? Would you add your voice? Would you add your prayers, your passion to the prayers of millions across our land, praying that God would grant revival? Now, I don't know what form it might take. But God is capable of turning our nation. You would never have thought young Josiah would come along. 
His dad, his grandfather were both terribly wicked kings. Manasseh was a murdering, bloody king of Judah. He was the one who killed the prophet Isaiah. But Josiah comes along and chooses to follow the true and living God. God can raise up godly leaders who would lead our nation. We'll watch Judah now in the south sliding down under God's judgment, judged by the nation of Babylon. And we will read about the fall of Jerusalem tonight on The Bible Life. 2 Kings 23.1-25.30 through 2 Kings 23 Then the king summoned all the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commands, regulations, and laws with all his heart and soul. In this way, he confirmed all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. Then the king instructed Hilkiah the high priest and the leading priest and the temple gatekeepers to remove from the Lord's temple all the utensils that were used to worship Baal, Asherah, and all the forces of heaven. The king had all these things burned outside Jerusalem on the terraces of the Kidron Valley, and he carried the ashes away to Bethel. He did away with the pagan priests who had been appointed by the previous kings of Judah, for they had burned incense at the pagan shrines throughout Judah and even in the vicinity of Jerusalem. They had also offered incense to Baal and to the sun, the moon, the constellations, and to all the forces of heaven. The king removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where they burned it. Then he ground the pole to dust and threw the dust in the public cemetery. He also tore down the houses of the shrine prostitutes that were inside the temple of the Lord, where the women wove coverings for the Asherah pole. Josiah brought back to Jerusalem all the priests of the Lord who were living in other towns of Judah. He also defiled all the pagan shrines where they had burned incense, from Geba to Beersheba. He destroyed the shrines at the entrance to the gate of Joshua, the governor of Jerusalem. This gate was located to the left of the city gate as one enters the city. The priests who had served at the pagan shrines were not allowed to serve at the Lord's altar in Jerusalem, but they were allowed to eat unleavened bread with the other priests. Then the king defiled the altar of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so no one could ever again use it to sacrifice a son or daughter in the fire as an offering to Moloch. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the horse statues that the former kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun. They were near the quarters of nathan Melech the eunuch, an officer of the court. The king also burned the chariots dedicated to the sun. Josiah tore down the altars that the kings of Judah had built on the palace roof above the upper room of Ahaz. The king destroyed the altars that Manasseh had built in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He smashed them to bits and scattered the pieces in the Kidron Valley. The king also desecrated the pagan shrines east of Jerusalem and south of the Mount of Corruption, where King Solomon of Israel had built shrines for Ashtoreth, the detestable goddess of the Sidonians, and for Shemosh, the detestable god of the Moabites, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He smashed the sacred pillars and cut down the Asherah poles. Then he desecrated these places by scattering human bones over them. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The king also tore down the altar at Bethel, the pagan shrine that Jeroboam son of Nebat had made when he led Israel into sin. 
Josiah crushed the stones to dust and burned the Asherah pole. Then as Josiah was looking around, he noticed several tombs in the side of the hill. He ordered that the bones be brought out, and he burned them on the altar at Bethel to desecrate it. This happened just as the Lord had promised through the man of God as Jeroboam stood beside the altar at the festival. Then Josiah turned and looked up at the tomb of the man of God who had predicted these things. What is that monument over there? Josiah asked, and the people of the town told him, It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and predicted the very things that you have just done to the altar at Bethel. Josiah replied, Leave it alone. Don't disturb his bones. So they did not burn his bones or those of the old prophet from Samaria. Then Josiah demolished all the buildings at the pagan shrines in the towns of Samaria, just as he had done at Bethel. They had been built by the various kings of Israel and had made the Lord very angry. He executed the priests of the pagan shrines on their own altars, and he burned human bones on the altars to desecrate them. Finally, he returned to Jerusalem. King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the Book of the Covenant. There had not been a Passover celebration like that since the time when the judges ruled in Israel, throughout all the years of the kings of Israel and Judah. This Passover was celebrated to the Lord in Jerusalem during the 18th year of King Josiah's reign. Josiah also exterminated the mediums and psychics, the household gods, and every other kind of idol worship, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to all the laws written in the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. Even so, the Lord's anger burned against Judah because of all the great evils of King Manasseh, and he did not hold back his fierce anger from them. For the Lord had said, I will destroy Judah just as I have destroyed Israel. I will banish the people from my presence and reject my chosen city of Jerusalem and the temple where my name was to be honored. The rest of the events in Josiah's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. While Josiah was king, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, went to the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah marched out with his army to fight him, but King Necho killed him when they met at Megiddo. Josiah's officers took his body back in a chariot from Megiddo to Jerusalem and buried him in his own tomb. Then the people anointed his son Jehoahaz and made him the next king. Jehoahaz was 23 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. Pharaoh Necho put Jehoahaz in prison at Ribla in the land of Hamath to prevent him from ruling from Jerusalem. He also demanded that Judah pay 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold as tribute. Pharaoh Necho then installed Eliakim, another of Josiah's sons, to reign in place of his father. And he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Jehoahaz was taken to Egypt as a prisoner, where he died. In order to get the silver and gold demanded as tribute by Pharaoh Necho, Jehoiakim collected a tax from the people of Judah, requiring them to pay in proportion to their wealth. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Zebedah, the daughter of Pedaiah from Rumah. 
He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Kings 24 During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land of Judah. Jehoiakim surrendered and paid him tribute for three years, but then rebelled. Then the Lord sent bands of Babylonian, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it, just as the Lord had promised through his prophets. These disasters happened to Judah according to the Lord's command. He had decided to remove Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh. He had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not forgive this. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoiakim died, his son Jehoiakim became the next king. The king of Egypt never returned after that, for the king of Babylon occupied the entire area formerly claimed by Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan from Jerusalem. Jehoiakim did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. During Jehoiakim's reign, the officers of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came up against Jerusalem and besieged it. Nebuchadnezzar himself arrived at the city during the siege. Then King Jehoiakim, along with his advisors, nobles, and officials, and the queen mother, surrendered to the Babylonians. In the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he took Jehoiakim prisoner. As the Lord had said beforehand, Nebuchadnezzar carried away all the treasures from the Lord's temple and the royal palace. They cut apart all the gold vessels that King Solomon of Israel had placed in the temple. King Nebuchadnezzar took 10,000 captives from Jerusalem, including all the princes and the best of the soldiers, craftsmen, and smiths. So only the poorest people were left in the land. Nebuchadnezzar led King Jehoiakim away as a captive to Babylon, along with his wives and officials, the queen mother, and all Jerusalem's elite. He also took 7,000 of the best troops and 1,000 craftsmen and smiths, all of whom were strong and fit for war. Then the king of Babylon installed Mataniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, as the next king, and he changed Mataniah's name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. So the Lord in his anger finally banished the people of Jerusalem and Judah from his presence, and sent them into exile. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. 2 Kings 25. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th of Zedekiah's eleventh year, the famine in the city had become very severe, with the last of the food entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down, and all the soldiers made plans to escape from the city. But since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, they waited for nightfall and fled through the gate between the two walls behind the king's gardens. They made a dash across the fields in the direction of the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonians chased after them and caught the king on the plains of Jericho, for by then his men had all abandoned him. 
They brought him to the king of Babylon at Ribla, where sentence was passed against him. The king of Babylon made Zedekiah watch as all his sons were killed. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. On August 14 of that year, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard and official of the Babylonian king, arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city. Then the captain of the guard supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, then took as exiles those who remained in the city, along with the rest of the people and the troops who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon. But the captain of the guard allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind in Judah to care for the vineyards and fields. The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars, the bronze water carts, and the bronze sea that were at the Lord's temple, and they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took all the pots, shovels, lamp snuffers, dishes, and all the other bronze utensils used for making sacrifices at the temple. Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, also took the firepans and basins, and all the other utensils made of pure gold or silver. The bronze from the two pillars, the water carts, and the sea was too great to be weighed. These things had been made for the Lord's temple in the days of King Solomon. Each of the pillars was twenty-seven feet tall. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The captain of the guard took with him as prisoners Saraiah the chief priest, his assistant Zephaniah, and the three chief gatekeepers. And of the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer of the Judean army, five of the king's personal advisors, the army commander's chief secretary who was in charge of recruitment, and sixty other citizens. Nebuzaradan the commander took them all to the king of Babylon at Ribla. And there at Ribla in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. Then King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, and grandson of Shaphan, as governor over the people left in Judah. When all the army commanders and their men learned that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah as governor, they joined him at Mizpah. These included Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Johanan, son of Kareah, Saraiah, son of Tanhumath the Natophathite, and Jaazaniah, son of the Maakathite, and all their men. Gedaliah vowed to them that the Babylonian officials meant them no harm. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and all will go well with you, he promised. But in mid-autumn of that year, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah and grandson of Elishama, who was of the royal family, went to Mizpah with ten men and assassinated Gedaliah and everyone with him, both Judeans and Babylonians. Then all the people of Judah, from the least to the greatest, as well as the army commanders, fled in panic to Egypt, for they were afraid of what the Babylonians would do to them. In the thirty-seventh year of King Jehoiakim's exile in Babylon, Avil Merodach ascended to the Babylonian throne. He was kind to Jehoiakim and released him from prison on April 2nd of that year. He spoke pleasantly to Jehoiakim and gave him preferential treatment over all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiakim with new clothes to replace his prison garb and allowed him to dine at the king's table for the rest of his life. The Babylonian king also gave him a regular allowance to cover his living expenses until the day of his death. 
End of reading, 2 Kings 23.1 through 25.30. But since we have this moment here at heaven's door, we should start knocking now. Prayer makes a difference, my friends. All the great revivals of history have been preceded by a dramatic increase in the exposure to God's Word that is like the fuel of revival, if you equate it to a nuclear blast, the fuel of the revival being the spiritual truths that call people to freedom, that call people to holiness and righteousness. Then the prayers of God's people set off the ignition, creating that critical mass till finally the explosive spiritual bomb of revival. Uh, That is what we are praying for and hoping for today. As God's word is proclaimed and lifted up dramatically across our land, that's what the Bible Live is all about. We are trying to fill the air with the fuel of God's word, bring Americans back to the consciousness of these basic fundamental truths of God and his love and his power and his holiness and his righteousness of mankind and our sin and our neediness and our selfishness separated from God, but there is a great, wonderful message of the Scriptures, grace. He offers forgiveness and cleansing. He has made a provision for the sin of mankind, for each of us individually and for all, by placing our faith and trust in Christ, surrendering our hearts and our wills to the King of kings. We can be made right with God, and He can work in our lives to transform us and transform our societies, our nation. That's the hope of revival. God's love, the problem of sin, the solution that God offers in Messiah. All of this that we're talking about, tremendous problems, all of this because of the sins of the people. God is judging Judah in this case. God is judging them using even a pagan wicked nation like the Assyrians or the Arameans or the Egyptians or the Babylonians. He will use those nations to humble and to judge his own people. They are attacked on all sides, and then his son Jehoiakim is placed on the throne, and three months later he's taken by Nebuchadnezzar. And then his uncle Mataniah, whose name becomes Zedekiah, becomes the last king of Judah. He is installed by Nebuchadnezzar. He rebels against Nebuchadnezzar in the ninth year of his reign, and that's the end of it. Nebuchadnezzar descends on them. The city is destroyed. The people are taken. They are returned now, 70 years later, though. That is the hope that is spoken of. The royal line is kept intact so that they can be restored to the land in 70 years. This is the 70-year exile that both Isaiah and Jeremiah allude to. Now, in case you missed it, this young King Josiah that we read about at the very beginning, way back in 1 Kings chapters 12 and 13, Josiah was predicted 325 years before his life is a miracle. Well, the book of 2 Kings opens with Elijah being carried into heaven, the destination awaiting those who follow God and love God. But the book ends here with the people of Judah being carried off into a foreign land as humiliated slaves, the result of failing to follow God. It's an illustration of what happens when we make anything more important than God, when we make ruinous alliances, when our consciences become desensitized to right and wrong, And when we are no longer able to discern God's purpose for our lives and to align our lives with His design. Now we may fail like the people of Judah and Israel, but God's promises do not. He's always available to forgive us, to help us, to strengthen us and straighten out our lives and start again. 
That's what's going to happen in the book of Ezra. When the people acknowledge their sin, God is ready and willing to help them return to their land and start again after the these 70 years of exile. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kendall Hawk Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.